Hello, everyone. Welcome in here to Southeastern 14. This is our reaction edition. We didn't go live last night. It was just too late. Had a lot of stuff going on, but we are hopping in here today as we were trying to wait and see what the final word would be on some of these coaching searches and things like that, and those haven't been settled yet either. So we're going to uh, go into all of that today, go over action from the final week of the regular season, and we're doing so with my man, Chris Lee, who's hopping in here with us. Chris, welcome in, man. Uh, my, my man had to, uh, <laughs> your man here had to fi find stuff in suitcases and track down equipment and all that stuff, which, you know, you probably should plan to do that ahead of time, a little more than a few minutes ahead, but that's where we are today. No doubt, no doubt. Dude. Well, we haven't, uh, everybody's been on Thanksgiving uh, break and stuff like that, getting a little family time in, but there was also plenty of, football uh this weekend a lot of action and a lot of things nothing really determined uh in terms of what we already didn't know in terms of either the sec or the cfp but the stage is set chris for what everybody's been looking forward to all year georgia alabama sec championship yeah at least uh at least the sec didn't decide a, a conference title game by computers which actually happened this morning did you catch that no what happened there i, didn't, I didn't see that. They, they had a three-way tie, and they had to wait and see what what the computer spit out as the highest-ranked team. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, it could be worse then. It could be worse, everybody. You could go with the computers. And, by the way, I know we don't get into – but the did you see the latest ESPN FBI, FPI poll that came out to, today or the FBI rankings, however they do things? I have not seen it this morning, but it's been – it's really gotten interesting lately. Yeah, they had Ohio State at one over Michigan, who Michigan just beat Ohio State. Penn State yeah. at four, ahead of Georgia at five. Notre Dame at 11. Uh, I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff going on with FPI. So uh, I know some people find it as a useful metric. I, I find it as uh, utterly crazy. But, Chris, while you go ahead and tell everybody about our partner over at, uh, at Bet Online here, I'm going to uh, be sharing out and getting everybody – in here, guys, make sure you we already got people pouring in. Hit that like button, subscribe, turn on notifications, and also be a friend. Tell a friend. Tell them to hop in here, get in the comments, and and uh, we're going get, to get rolling on our Reaction Sunday episode here. Yeah, our show is presented by Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling. College basketball ready to go as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL, all in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips, with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today. Remember to use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And where do you want to start, Chris? Do you want to start with the the craziness of the Iron Bowl from this past? Uh, hey, with with apologies to our friends here, uh, Bob and Donovan, you, you have to start there. Um, yeah, I was I was watching the game with my son, exiting an airport, and it, it just because it's Auburn and Alabama, you just get the feeling that that nothing crazy is off limits. I mean, were you not thinking that before that play? Yeah, I mean, I well. I full full uh, admission. I thought as soon as they snapped that ball past Milrow, I thought, okay, well, Auburn's going to win the football game, and uh, and and they're going to, yeah. Who knows what that's going to mean going forward? And then Jalen Milrow doesn't get rushed. 
Uh, and I think that decision has been dissected and will continue oh. to be dissected for years to come uh, to only rush two guys and and let him just sit around. And, and then they had a guy underneath and a guy over the top and still allow Isaiah Bond to get open in the back corner of the end zone. I saw somebody that was part of the Alabama News Network this morning that said, if you're looking for a place to sit in church this morning and can't decide, go to the back left corner because blessings seem to flow in that in that yeah. corner of things. So, uh, my goodness, I can't imagine being on either side of that uh, as a as a fan or as a somebody who covers the team or anything like that in terms of the the emotions that everybody went through, Chris, in that short amount of time. Yeah, that was Chris Stewart who had that tweet. I saw that and got a chuckle myself. He's Alabama's play-by-play guy for basketball. But, I mean, let's – I get the the controversy not to rush and all that stuff, and Milrow had time a couple plays before that. I just I, – I don't I don't understand why don't you send at least one extra guy, but they didn't. But let's also talk about – Blaine, you said open. I mean, the window that he had to throw, you know, was what? Oh, yeah maybe two feet by two feet. I mean, there was not a big – now, it helps when you don't have a guy just pressing in on you. I, I get it, but that's not an easy throw to make under any circumstance. So let's give Jalen Milrow some credit there in addition yeah, to all that. Not, not that you weren't, but just pointing that out. Yeah. He ripped it for sure. And yeah, I think you also got to give a lot of credit to – people aren't going to want to hear this, but I'm telling you, Hugh Freeze, even with the New Mexico State – debacle which i have my own theories on that by the way i'm, I'm going to share that i think he has this auburn team ahead of schedule based off of yeah. where yeah. ryan harson had it they were very very close to beating the two teams that are going to be playing for the sec championship game should have arguably should have beat both of them uh and you know when it comes down to it they're they're very very close and now it is with a talent level on the offensive side of the ball that is nowhere near what Hugh yeah. Freeze is going to have in coming years, like not even in the same stratosphere. So I think you got to give a lot of credit to Hugh Freeze for getting that that Auburn team to, you know, kind of bounce back and, and rally together after. And I will say, you know, I wanted to put out a tweet or something like that just to kind of troll people and say, you know what, you know the Iron Bowl means a lot when Hugh Freeze gets his team to intentionally throw the New Mexico State game to lure Alabama asleep <laughs> because that's kind of that's kind of what it looked like. It was like, wow. I mean, just absolutely crazy how bad they played the week before and then how good they played against, against Alabama, particularly running the football, almost running 300 yards against Alabama. Chris, that's hard to do. Yeah, it is. I mean, you you get no argument here from me on any of that. Uh, I think the computers still have them, what, top 35-ish? So, even with they, the New they Mexico They played State well loss, defensively all year. Team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, that's well the thing is you, you figure he's going to figure out the offensive side of the ball. If the defense is good, I would think that's an encouraging sign. I, I don't think that you – I guess a good way to say it, your opinion on Hugh Freeze after this regular season – Nothing has changed. How do I say this? If you had a good opinion of Hugh Freeze coming into the season, probably you didn't see anything this year that was going to change that for the most part that I can tell. No, I agree. And I think uh, I think that whether they – even though they lost that game, Chris, I guarantee you they won in recruiting yesterday with some guys for that atmosphere, for what yeah. Jordan-Hare Stadium was like, for people visiting, things like that. I think there will be um, – 
I think there will be some some recruiting repercussions from that, that that they'll be successful with. Alex Page says, you shouldn't be surprised that Auburn played at home in the Iron Bowl. I'm not. I predicted them. In, you can ask Chris. Before the year, I said I said Auburn is going to win uh, in the Iron Bowl. Now, I, I, I changed that prediction based off of the New Mexico State game. But, I mean, I knew going into it, into this year, hey, Hugh Freeze is going to have this team playing well at the end of the year. Chris knew that as well. And and there would there would be a chance for them to win, but my goodness, it was uh, it was a roller coaster of a game. And I guess my takeaways are: is, do you chalk all this up just as a rivalry game that you can't really, you know, it's something that you really can't touch or feel? It's just an element that that is there in college football that adds up to Alabama's performance. Or do you think that there are, there are issues still offensively for Alabama uh, heading into the SEC championship game? Well, look, I've said for a while, this is not vintage Alabama that Nick Saban's had. Now, that said, they're still a one-loss team. They've had some good wins, but it's not the the step-on-your-neck team from three or four years ago or any number of teams that you could recite from 10, 12 years ago where they just didn't give up points to anybody the way Georgia was you know, a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think your opinion of either program has – has moved much based on the season. I mean, Auburn had that string of games where they didn't have a 100-yard passer against a Power 5 team. What was it, six games in a row, whatever. And yet Hugh Freeze is still getting this team to a bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's – that's. I, I know the New Mexico State lost damper, dampened some things. I get it. That ended up being, what, an eight- or nine-win team, though, for whatever that's worth. And, yeah, I mean, everybody knew that was realistic that they're – their best football was going to be ahead of them and not so much this year. I will say this. So this is accurate by Bob Williams in the postgame press conference. He didn't know that it was Coy Moore back there to fill that punt oh. instead of Keontae Scott, which they both wear number zero. So that's that's obviously just looking at glance. But And they probably have, they have special teams coordinators that handle all that kind of stuff. But I was shocked back there. I was like, why was Keontae Scott not returning that punt? Like, you know, it must have been a deal that Hugh Freeze said maybe he took himself out. There was an injury, some, something along that line. He was getting, he was getting, uh, you know, maybe treated or something. But the fact that you would change your punt returner at that crucial of a situation for him to fumble that football, I think that is uh, absolutely, absolutely crazy to do. And I, I don't know that I don't, I, I think, you got to have your finger on every little thing in a program, yeah. and for him not to know that's going on, I, I don't know. That's one of those things that's hard to imagine Nick Saban or, or Kirby Smart not aware of that. Is that, is that fair, or am I being yeah. too hard and piling on here? Now, it, does, it, does, it doesn't help that both of them are wearing zero. So if right. he was, let's say he was thinking about a situation, he looks out there and he sees zero, he might just think, oh, that's – that's Keontae Scott, and it was Coy Moore out there. So, you know, I will give him the benefit of the doubt on that, but I agree with you. I think that you see Nick Saban or or Kirby Smart or, or you know, some of the head coaches out there that have uh, been to the top, I think they may may recognize that a little bit more. So I think that is something he can he can work on a little bit right there. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate how that ended for Auburn, but Alabama, you got to say, and we say this all the time, Chris, winning – especially on the road in the SEC, regardless of the opponent's record or talent level or all that kind of stuff, is not easy to do. And Alabama found a way to do it, so you got to give them credit for it. Um, and now, you know, 
we've talked about head coaches and stuff, Chris, before we get into Georgia, Georgia Tech, and some of these others, should we should we dabble into the the head coaching carousel and some of the dramatics that is has uh, taken place over the last several hours? Oh, we we can go wherever you want. I just want think one thing needs to be mentioned: Jalen Milrow. What a season that kid ended up having. He had another hundred yard rushing game. I would have to double check this. I haven't looked at stats this morning, but if he didn't lead the league in yards per passing attempt, he had to be close. Uh, this was the season where Alabama went into it with a lot of uncertainty at quarterback and even some talk that their best guy might be a true freshman and those sorts of things. They, they lose the Texas game early and, and then look who's leading them there at the end and, and making the, one of the biggest plays in the history of Alabama football. It's Jalen Milrow. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, it'll go down in iron bowl lore. And I mean, he's, he's a guy who, he's a guy who can hurt you in multiple ways. I think he's, Still growing at this point as a quarterback, I honestly do. I think that he's still got some things that he's going to continue to to work through and get better at, and, and, and things of that nature. But he he's a guy who you know answers the bell and is able to make plays. So we'll see how he you know fares in his biggest challenge to date in Atlanta uh, with that that defense. And I know that there's plenty to talk about with with Georgia and how they fared last night and things of that nature. And uh, we'll get into all that with our predictions that are coming up. Um, on Monday, we'll have those out. A full prediction, SEC championship prediction will be out. But, uh, you know, Chris, I do think we do need to talk about this Texas A&M saga sure. that, that went down yesterday. Uh, you know, when it comes to at basically all but being reported that Mark Stoops was going to be the next guy. And then whether it was the Board of Regents or whether it was a fan coup or whatever happened, it seems like that dissipated in a hurry. And now it's down to either Mike Elko or Elijah Robinson go, going from the interim to the to the full time permanent head coach, and I'm not so sure that's. Now listen, I I've, I'm a big Mike Elko guy, but I'm not so sure if you'll take Mike Elko, why wouldn't you take Mark Stoops? Is my question. Well, do you remember the show we did a couple of weeks ago where we said, "Hey, look, this doesn't make a lot of sense unless A&M has got its eye on." jumping line to to get somebody else. And I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but when the reports came out last night that Stoops to Texas a was nearly a, a done deal, my first thought was you, you don't – it just seems weird to spend $77 million for the right to hire Mark Stoops at whatever price. Uh, and I think Mark Stoops is – I'd have to think this through. Probably a top 25 coach in college football. Blaine, is that is that fair? But but towards the lower end of that, I mean, I don't know. I think he's I think he's higher than that in terms of what you look at what he's able to what he took Kentucky from and what he took him consistently to, um, and just the the ability to stay there. You know, I I think that that is uh, that's a tremendous job by Mark Stoops. I think he he at sometimes should have had better records than what he had because of severe injuries at the quarterback position that they played basically with one arm tied behind their back and they still found ways to be competitive and win ball games at times with the defenses that he had. So I think if you had put Mark Stoops in a place like Texas A&M with that amount of talent over on the on the uh, defensive side of the ball and then the ability to recruit the state of Texas and and you know the staff that he could have put together over there my goodness, I think that is uh, that would have been a huge, huge deal. I, I don't, I don't see how it would be any worse than 
Mike Mike Elko. Like, and I think Mike Elko's the guy that is kind of the the point here uh, right now. Either him or Elijah Robinson is what all reports are saying. People are talking about a late run at, at Ryan Day or somebody like that, but I don't know that. I don't know that uh, that that's going to be the case. Well, let, let me phrase it differently. When I say top twenty-five coach, I mean inside the top twenty-five. That that could be one. That could be twenty-five. I don't think he's one. I mean, he's he's no. not Kirby Smart. He's not Nick Saban. He's not Jim Harbaugh. But uh, you know, I, I think he's he's got an argument in there. And it's funny how the narrative kind of flipped last night to what do they do when spending all the money to to hire him? To the minute it was off the table, it seemed that like oh they. They could have done so much worse than Mark Stoops or however it was phrased. It's just kind of funny how that that, that flipped <laughs> as soon as the news changed. Oh, yeah. No, no. And I, I think what Chris Taylor's referring to here is I, I had a high school coach that I reference this all the time. They used to tell us, hey, the true measure of greatness is consistency. Well, you can look at Mark yeah. Stoops, and he is a consistent guy. And, and there's a ceiling at Kentucky, right? There's a certain level that you can reach, and you're not going to reach any higher. I did a video on this. I said, hey, there's certain teams inside the SEC, and I know NIL has supposedly leveled the playing field and things like that, but there's a certain level where you're going to have an unbelievable ceiling uh, unbelievable season, get to 10 wins, and you're not going to do any better than that because especially yeah. with the SEC getting to 16 teams and adding premier programs like Texas and Oklahoma, now it's going to become even harder. You may avoid a Georgia or avoid an Alabama, but now you've got two more Blue Bloods coming in that can that are going to be more talented than you and have more resources than you every single year. Um, and there's yeah. really – there's really seven schools probably that that that's the case for. You got Georgia, Alabama, uh, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, uh, Tennessee, and you know LSU. All those schools, maybe Florida if they get their act together. All those schools are by talent most of the years and by resources are just going to be better than the bottom half of the SEC. And for for Mark Stoops to take a program like Kentucky and get them to the point where they're competing and expected to beat some of those programs year in and year out. I think that's a tremendous job, and that's why he got he got favored for this. Now, do you believe the reports out there, Chris, that Ross Bjork, I think is how you pronounce the AD's last name, do you believe that Bjork went rogue and tried to push this deal through with Stoops uh, before the Board of Regents approved? Because that's what reporting from Texags and people like that are saying. That just seems hard for me to fathom that he would do that. Yeah, well, well, Texags is is pretty plugged in. So if they're saying yeah. it, I'm I'm going to give it some credence. But look, uh, two two things on the Kentucky side. I wonder if this makes Mark Stoops a little bit more appreciated. Sometimes yeah. you, you know, they they've just been. A, I likened it to to Vanderbilt and Kevin Stallings in basketball a few years ago, where he'd gotten them to a point where they were pretty good, but they just couldn't get to the next level they wanted. And then they let him go. He wound up at Pitt, and that program hasn't been the same since. And it, it, it feels like you saw some frustration starting to to bubble over with that fan base and he. But then it's like, okay, um, they almost broke up. And I got the sense, maybe just reading some comments, that, hey, um, maybe now that we've had a, a time to, to take a breath, uh we're good with this, number one. Number two, and this goes back to what we said a couple of weeks ago when they made the decision to fire Jimbo Fisher, and, and we'll never know, but like, how far down the list do you think they got? 
Because again, I, think, I, I presume I presume they're not they're not spending that money and doing it when they did it if they're not going hunting for Dan Lanning or Ryan Day or or name any number of coaches. Dabo Sweeney's name has come up. I'm just wondering how many no's they got before they arrived at that point. Well, uh, Bud Elliott, who's very plugged in over at 24-7 Sports, said that there was four guys that turned him down. And if I'm uh, based off everything that I've read, Dan Lanning, I know for a fact, was one. Uh, Dabo Sweeney was reached out to, had no interest. Uh, I know that they they tried to reach out. They they interviewed Jeff Trailer, the UTSA coach. He didn't, you know, he, it didn't up materializing there. So and I don't know who the who the fourth one was, maybe Urban Meyer or somebody like that. But um, my goodness, uh, they, they they did reach out to some people and and got turned down. And then now this is falling apart. And Alex Page has a question here. It would be also it would also be interesting if Elko turns them down based on said boosters who didn't want Stoops too many hands in the cookie jar. Do you think that you know we always heard that about Auburn with the the Harson hire and then that firing and then the search for Hugh Freeze and things like that and the Lane Kiffin ordeal and all that kind of stuff. Do you see similarities between what happened at Auburn, you know, I guess a year ago or 18 months ago and now what's going on with Texas A&M? Well, I don't know that anything would be as crazy as what we saw at Auburn with Harson and, and that saga that played out for months. But I had this conversation with a, a buddy of mine in media this morning and it kind of went along these lines, like when you start thinking of, of schools that have too many cooks in the kitchen at times, that, that's the only explanation I have for teams that keep meeting expectations. And I'm thinking of teams like you've, you've seen it happen at Auburn, like you pointed out. You've seen it happen at Tennessee at times. You certainly have seen it happen with Texas a and Sometimes I wonder about Texas too. Uh, yeah. with, with Texas just being off the mark in terms of results versus recruiting base and resources, you always wonder where that's an issue. And, and certainly, I think what you bring up is a thing a lot of people had to wonder about all along. Listen, that was an issue at Georgia before Kirby Smart yeah. got there. Mark Rick And before Nick Saban not, got there, it was an issue at Alabama, was it not? Yeah, absolutely. Mark Rick yeah. did not have the support from the administration that Kirby Smart does now. He did not have the hundred, the one hundred percent buy-in of the boosters that Kirby Smart does now. Kirby Smart came in. Keep in mind, Kirby Smart was going to be South Carolina's head football coach. He was a day away from accepting that job, uh, going over there and interviewing with Ray Tanner, and it was going to be a fait accompli. He was going to be uh, South Carolina's next head football coach, and Georgia makes that that decision and. Basically, the way it was laid out, Kirby had seen everything that Nick Saban had done. He had been there in the inner workings of that dynasty run with with Saban uh, through the early you know two thousands into the into the early twenty tens there, and and then you're talking about you're talking about Kirby basically said, "Hey, I, I'm going to come to Georgia as my alma mater, but everybody's got to basically get out of the way and let me operate." And that's that's what they've done. They've turned over the keys to the car, and he's been able to to make it into something great. And I think you're going to have to, if you're going to hire somebody, especially with that amount of money that's involved in these contracts, you've got to let them. It's like Bill Parcells used to say: if you want me to, if you want me to cook the meal, you got to let me uh, pick the ingredients. You know what I'm saying? So he's got to have everything, and that's what Oregon has done with Dan Lanning. That's, look at the success he's having up there. It's because they're letting him run his program. 
how he sees fit and they're not he's not beholden to a bunch of boosters and things like that and that's that's going to be a stumbling block for A&M going forward you know I'm getting off topic a little bit but going back and looking at that one I don't know what percentage of, of teams that move on from a, a nine win a year guy like Mark Richt and and have it go up to a level that everybody's happy with is but it's not a big number no, look at uh, Nebraska. That Bo Pelini, yeah. year after year, nine wins, nine wins, and they were they were you know unhappy with him. And here comes Scott Frost, and they're still in Scott Frost mode, losing games by you know that 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 game with right. Iowa this past week. It set football back fifty it. years. It was awful. It, it absolutely like it was like a train wreck. I couldn't stop watching it. I wanted to stop, but my eyes just couldn't. It was like it was so awful that I just had to keep watching it. So, um, but. I don't know. There, there's lots of lots of ways that could go. Now, the other report out there, uh, it was reported by On3 last night that Jeff Lebby is expected to accept the Mississippi State head coaching job this weekend. What are your thoughts on Jeff Lebby, the former uh, Ole Miss? So, so you talk about adding to the Egg Bowl, former Ole Miss coordinator under Lane Kiffin, who went to Oklahoma as the offensive coordinator in Brent Venables. He is reportedly – uh, the the favorite to accept that job this weekend in Starkville. What are your thoughts on if Jeff Lebby is the next offense, the next uh, offensive coordinator and head coach because he'll call his own plays at Mississippi State? Well, th- this comparison doesn't make it so, but does does it not feel to you a little bit like when they hired Dan Mullen? Yeah, I mean, a, an offensive an offensive yeah. mind that that has been a part of great success, and uh, you know, he's he's. Like it or not, uh, some people d- dislike him and try to cancel him for this. But his father-in-law is Art Browse, so uh, there, you know, he's got a creative, uh, creative mind in the family that he can, you know, that he can get in, get in, and, and pick his mind to. Uh, obviously, Art Browse has his baggage, but to be able to, you know, lean on that kind of guy for offensive uh, acumen and, and things of that nature, it's an asset. So I think that would be a great hire. My question is, does that with the style of offense that he runs, do you think Will Rogers would stay? Uh, he's in the transfer portal right now. Yeah, there's been some talk that he might go play with his brother at Southern Miss. I don't know how much there is to that. You know, obviously he had a tough year. I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't guess it would hurt. But here's the thing: State's NIL. I think, and you know this better than I do, so tell me if I'm wrong, I I think is comparatively lacking to most of the schools. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about being in Starkville, Mississippi, you know, and it's it's not like you have an abundance of uh, alumni that are just going to pour in there. So we'll see what happens uh, with with that. I mean, that's definitely an infrastructure that has to be built up in order to compete because, guys, NIL is here to – to stay, basically, we call call it what it is. It's free agency with the transfer portal, and it is pay for play with NIL. People can say you're getting return on your investment. I, I I guarantee, if you saw an ROI chart on some of these NIL deals, it is in the negative for the uh, investor. Yeah, many many times over. So um, I just think that it's a deal where hey, you got to be creative. You have to have something unique about you to be able to win at Mississippi State. Look at the people who have won at Mississippi State. Dan Mullen, a unique guy, different thinking. Uh, you know, heck, his wife loves kissing the players. We won't even get into that. You know, but we'll we'll leave that alone. Uh, and then and then you know Mike Leach who came in and, and brought the air raid. You know, all kinds of 
all kinds of uh, unique stuff about him. I didn't see anything that was really unique about Zach Arnett. Uh, he was just more of trying to, you can't play bully ball and you can't be, you know, Mr. I'm going to, I'm going to be more physical and outman you at, at, at Mississippi state when you don't have the athletes to do that. Okay. Tell me if this is too hard. I think if, if you're going to go that route, and I'm not saying it's the wrong route, but if you're going to go that route, do you not have to have an extra dose of patience with Jeff Levy? And here's a couple of reasons. Number one, first time head coach. Been, been a lot of good coordinators who failed miserably as head coaches. It's just a very different job. But it's more than two. Number two, NIL, we mentioned that. And, and number three, this is now the third head coach some of these kids are going to have played for in, in less than 12 months if they made a hire today. So, and, and you're changing from the air raid to you went from a defensive-oriented or, coach to – you couldn't really tell what they were doing there to, to now whatever this is going to be. I'm just saying that's a lot of variables. Yeah, it, it is I'm a lot of I'm not saying you can't succeed, but that's a lot of variables there. If I'm Jeff Libby, I'm not signing for anything less than a five-year contract. I'm saying you got to give me yeah. five years guaranteed because then if they change, then you're still going to get your money anyway. So uh, I'm saying, hey, give me give me five years guaranteed, and that's what we're, uh, we're going to roll with because it's going to take that to build Mississippi State into the point where they're just – competitive again in the uh in the sec especially like i said with these other teams these other teams uh coming in with texas and oklahoma things of that and and boy uh, what a what a missed opportunity there for um the sec to almost have two sec championship games right with uh texas and oklahoma could have been playing each other in the big 12 championship game but uh because of the tiebreakers oklahoma state gets in they almost lost in overtime to byu or it would have been two future sec teams playing each other versus and then two sec teams in georgia and alabama so it would have been crazy there for uh for that to happen but as far as some of the other game action and stuff like that, Chris. Uh, Florida got up early on Florida State. Didn't didn't have the horses in the end. Couldn't hold on. Uh, you know the the defense for Florida State really stepped up. Um, and that's another one that you know. Obviously, I think they're going to hold on to Billy Napier for another year. But I think you know this time next year we could be looking at a coaching search for Florida if uh, if that twenty four schedule goes as as rough as I think it's going to go for the Gators. Yeah, potentially. Um, again, recruiting is really good. How much rope does that buy him? I don't know. I mean, has there ever been a coach that had a tougher schedule the first three years than Billy Napier's going to draw? I mean, it's brutal. Absolutely brutal. But, I mean, the thing is, the secret – I had a guy tell me at my church one time, the secret to life is managing expectations, okay? Yeah. <laughs> the, secret, the secret to life is man. And the problem is, once that can has been opened – of we are a perennial national title contender, you know, looking back to Urban Meyer and what Tim Tebow did and all those years and, and things of that. Once you get a taste of that, there is no going back. There is no, there is no, we, we, we will accept a 10 win season. We will accept, you know, a, a really good bowl game. That's not what Florida plays for, you know, from the spur now after Spurrier and Meyer and all those guys, the expectations are the expectations, and if you're not meeting them, as good of a guy as you are, Billy Napier, I think, is salt of the earth, great guy. It's not working out so far, um, and they're going to have to get a major influx of talent 
on both lines of scrimmage and at the wide receiver position in order to compete next year with that brutal schedule that they have. And we'll see. Hey, the good news is we saw, and people can say what they want to about Deion Sanders, his success in Oklahoma, Chris. We saw Deion Sanders take a, a roster that was one of the worst in the entire of entirety of college football and get it to the point where they 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 lost three games of the last stretch here by like seven points. They could have been a six, seven win team after being one of the worst in all of college football. So you can turn a roster around. And I think that's the one knock on Billy Napier. He has not gotten the talent in there quickly enough. I mean, would you agree with that, Chris? He's recruiting well for this upcoming class, but there's I mean, it's Florida. You ought to be yeah, you ought to have the talent now. Well, yes and no. Florida usually builds through high school recruiting in its in its backyard. Decidedly did not do that, which is why Dan Mullen is no longer the coach there, number one. And I don't think Florida fans have really ever come to the grips with the fact that this this should not be Urban Meyer level expectations Florida every year. We, we were we were pumping the brakes on that all offseason. I don't think they heard us on that. And that's fine. That's that's the fun of being a fan and having your expectation. I get it. I'm not saying Florida shouldn't have expectations, but there are timelines that should come with those. And I just don't think that one ever got adjusted fully enough to, to match with reality. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I, I, I don't know what to tell people other than this. Like I said, the expectations aren't going to change. You can't make the fan base and stuff like that not be just – passionate and think oh well this is where we should be i think that uh the 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 portal is where he's going to have to make up ground in a hurry and i think that there are areas where you can point to and you can say hey i know we're recruiting well in high school but we need some guys who can be playmakers out on the perimeter now and hey if you come here like if this was last year i think they would add a strong case to go say hey dominant love it we need a guy who can come yeah. be an electric playmaker, you know, come in here and be our number one. I think Florida has opportunity to do that. Can they, can they land it? And I think part of the problem was Florida this past off season, we saw it with the Jaden Rashada case and stuff like that. The left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing in yeah. terms of NIL, Chris. And I think that was a big problem in not only their high school, but also their, their portal recruiting this past off season. Okay, I, I want to go back to your Deion Sanders analogy, too. And, and I get this is different because the, the base of what he inherited at Florida, while not great, it was certainly not what Deion inherited at Colorado, although he scrapped the whole roster. But here's the thing, okay? Deion had to go win, what, 86 recruiting battles? I'm, I'm guessing some of them weren't that contested because I cannot imagine recruiting 86 blue chippers that hard that quickly yeah. to Colorado, which won one game last year. So, again, Baseline of expectations is different, but here's the point I'm making. They were really good on one side of the ball. Yeah. And pretty terrible on the other. And you, you kind of have to pick and choose. You're probably in that spot. You're not going to get everything you want. And just their offenses at Florida have, have not been very good. They they lost Anthony Richardson to a top five pick of the NFL draft. Um, again, different different situation, but even in the makeover situation, you're excited that you cited with the the fact that you can do it. It's not that easy to get that many players that quickly without something getting neglected somewhere. And I think there were some things that got neglected somewhere. Although, given credit, the Graham Merch thing worked out really well, better yeah, than anybody be I could imagine. He come back next year. 
He could come yeah. back next year. He's got a year. Everybody in the world because of COVID has another year of eligibility. So you know they right. can they can come oh, back and and we'll we'll see what happens with with all that because of the COVID year. I mean it's it's crazy. You got guys playing till they're twenty seven years old out there. I mean it's 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 nuts. But um, in terms of uh, other action that we saw, Missouri, you know, pounded Arkansas on on Friday. Arkansas, uh, as soon as KJ Jefferson went down, they just had zero oh. shot and. They've got to really – Sam Pittman's been given an opportunity here. He's been throwing a lifesaver, and now he's got an offseason where it's expected that – they said on the broadcast that it's expected they're going to name their offensive coordinator this weekend at some point, either late this week, uh, maybe tonight or, or early Monday morning. So we'll see if they stay in-house with Kenny Guyton, which I doubt they will. They'll probably go out and get somebody. I think they kind of have to, don't you? Especially after that dismal performance. Now, Missouri is – Tremendous on defense. We know that. They, they, they have a tremendous front. They have great corners. They play hard. They're going to New Year's Six Bowl. But, my goodness, uh, that is that, – that, that was a rough look. Andy Stowe out here with a little rumor report saying, rumors are Buster Faulkner is the guy, mm-hmm. a guy who was at Georgia for a while under Todd Munkin and just uh, gave Georgia some fits with his – play calling at georgia tech on uh, yesterday that would be an interesting fit there chris i was gonna ask how much does that one excite people buster faulkner's been around a while he well he's been around he goes a while so well at but, auburn did it yeah but but well buster buster wasn't at all at auburn right who am i thinking not auburn uh, buster was at buster was uh at Southern Miss for a while with with munkin and then he was three years uh, at georgia so that's that's not buster uh that's not Buster at, at Auburn, but he's no, you're right. Really- I'm I'm confusing him with somebody else, and I can't think of who it is. Um, I know Buster Faulkner's been in Middle Tennessee State. I remember him from there because that's that's local. Who, who am I? Never strike strike that from the the record there. But anyway, yeah, Buster. I'll let you Buster's carry on. A- you're doing a way better job here. Than- than I am. <laughs> now, but I remember seeing Buster when he was a. It was there was some very small school that he was a, a, a like a NAIA level school, and he's risen up through the ranks and and really really come come alive uh, with with his offense and his play design and taking elements of taking elements of what Todd Todd Munkin did at Georgia, and then also some of the the quarterback run game. Just the evidence of what he did with Haynes King, the evolution from Texas A&M to Georgia Tech has been unreal. So uh, you would think that, you know, having potentially K.J. Jefferson, especially given the – if I don't know the result of that knee injury, exactly what it was, but if he comes back for another year, which I think he could, um, you know, that, that would be something that would be impressive. So, yeah, that would be interesting and one to watch there. But then the last, uh, I guess, game – that I really want to uh, talk about would be the the Georgia Georgia Tech game and Chris I don't know how much you watched of that last night or what you got to see of it but uh, Georgia sat five starters on offense okay they had five they had five starters out they still if it weren't for a uh, it were if it weren't for a uh, downfield lineman downfield penalty which never gets called ever in in the, in the world today of RPOs and all that kind of stuff. They scored a touchdown. They would have had 38 points on offense, and it would have been 38-16. But instead, the call happens, and they come back the other way. Georgia Tech ends up scoring. Georgia played in that game very similarly to how they played in that Vanderbilt game that you were a witness for, Chris. It felt like they were 
just there and playing the game and hoping nobody got hurt. Yeah, that that was the third screen that I had on that, that got watched the least because I just never – we've seen Georgia do this, right, that, that they kind of play down to whoever they're playing. And I'm like, I'm going to – I'll take that one a little more seriously if it gets to the – the fourth quarter and it's anybody's ball game, which it never quite got there. I didn't think. Yeah, well, the, the last the last possession, uh, Georgia had to you know get a first down and and, and you know yeah. salt it away and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, you got to give Georgia Tech credit; they're a much improved team. But I think Georgia 100 percent had an eye on going back to Atlanta the next weekend. And when you sit Brock Bowers, you sit Lad McConkey, you sit Tate Ratledge. Um, you sit Ra Ra Thomas, and then you move, of course, trust from left guard to right guard to cover for to cover for Ratledge. Then you have a, a backup left guard in there. So that's five guys that they came that they you know didn't have in their at their starting positions, and they still uh, look look sporty. Kendall Milton looks better than he's ever looked at Georgia over these last several games. He's running like a man possessed. And here's the thing that this, and we're going to do a full preview of Alabama and Georgia, but just quickly, this is going to be a line of scrimmage, just war. I mean, it is going to be just absolutely thoroughbreds up front going at it. And I'm excited to see which team can be more physical and which team can, can control the others run game. Yeah. I've got no more to add there. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to be it's going to be a battle of just blue chip guys that are very physical and can and can just get after you up front. So we're going to have more on that. But uh, you know, Chris, anything else uh, in the reaction here from the regular season? I know uh, where where do we kind of sit at with uh, college football playoff uh, scenarios and stuff? I think we're we're still sitting at status quo after this weekend, correct? Yeah, I mean. I guess the Louisville long shot got eliminated by what Kentucky did. So what what a weird day for Kentucky fans, right? You go from upsetting Louisville. uh, I think that game was at Louisville too. uh, To kind of ruin Louisville season to, to almost losing your coach after the biggest game he's won in years to, to getting him back. Uh, So so hats off to Kentucky. Uh, Some other, we didn't really talk Missouri, Arkansas a lot, but Cody Schrader, is about that close to fifteen hundred rushing yards. Yeah, had a, he's had a great year. Yeah, uh, and I think he's, he's almost great. at at seventeen hundred if you throw in pass catching. I don't know anybody that has I know that. what we haven't. Yeah, no, I I know what we haven't talked about. Well, there's a couple Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels goes crazy once again, and some of those runs. I I went back and watched that Texas A&M and LSU game. Chris, I don't know if he'll win the Heisman Trophy. I know he's going to be in New York, but my goodness, I know what I'm looking forward to is I'm looking forward to Jane Daniels being on my fantasy football team when he's in the NFL. Oh, my because goodness. I, I said it a couple of years ago. I said it in last fall. I put a uh, tweet out or an X post now. I put a put something out that said, Jaden Daniels is going to be one heck of an NFL quarterback, and people were like laughing and are like, are you serious and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just telling you, he is – he has grown so much as a passer, his ball placement, uh, things of that nature. My goodness, I, th- I think he's – and it, with his legs, I mean, he the acceleration that he has is is ridiculous. I think if I if I was a Heisman Trophy voter, I know they have three losses. I know Bo Nix and, and, and Michael Penix play on better football teams. 
but Jaden Daniels would be my Heisman Trophy vote, Chris. Well, let me throw this at you. Here, here's the numbers for him. He had another 100-yard rushing game yesterday, by the way. I don't know what the count on 100-yard rushing games is, but he's at 1134 rushing, 8.4 yards a carry. That's incredible. He's at 38-12 passing, 11.7 yards per attempt. I mean, for, forget the fact that he's been unbelievably efficient. Has there ever been a guy in the Power Five that – that went over 3,000 yards passing and 1,000 yards rushing that that didn't win the Heisman? I mean, I'm sure it's happened, and, and he did that and then some. Well, and not only it that. Just, it reminds me so out. much of what Tim Tebow did that year, but I'm, I don't think Tebow's numbers were that gaudy, were they? Well, it's Lamar Jackson all over again. Uh, that, right. That's it. That, it's Lamar Jackson all over again with what the year that he had, even the losses and things like that. But when you're talking about, he's also, I, I would argue, the most valuable player to his team because you look how bad the defense was this year, Chris. If if Jaden Daniels doesn't just absolutely go off the way that he did, it could have been an even worse year for LSU. I mean, that's how bad they've been on the defensive side of the ball, and they've won in spite of their defense a lot of times. So I think you got to give uh, Daniels because a lot of those possessions are pressure pack possessions where they knew every time yeah. they had to go score or they were not going to be in football games. So uh, that was, that was a big deal there as well for Jaden Daniels case. And I think, uh, you know, I think that, that he, he deserves, he deserves the Heisman trophy and I would, I would vote for him. Now to, to be fair, not everybody has Malik neighbors um, and Brian Thomas. Or Brian Thomas. Too. And and not everybody's got what a, a pair of potential first round tackles. Um, you know they got that Campbell and a so he's he's got dudes around him, but but still, I mean that's that's crazy. And and you, to your point, I was looking at their schedule. The, the defenses they played this year, they played at Missouri, they played Auburn, at Alabama, Florida, A and M. Not a not a bad defense in that bunch I just named. Florida State. It's yeah. not like he did this against lower level FBS teams even yeah no, I mean, I, teams. yeah I think uh, I think obviously you know he the competition has been has been stiff and he's he's really he's really handled it handled it well and he's he's flourished and we told everybody going into the year hey LSU is going to be even better on offense than they were last year people seemed to didn't believe that for some reason they didn't believe in Jaden Daniels I'm telling you that uh, they they were better this year and they were they were really really good. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what the voters out there think. But we got some uh, disagreement going on. On Blaine, I just they, it, they had they had they scored eleven points or more ten times. I'm mean, sorry, they scored they scored forty points or more ten times this year. They missed against Arkansas. They won that one thirty four thirty one. Uh, and they missed against Alabama. They lost that one 42-28. Oh, so Florida and, State also. That, so three not nine times out of twelve, they scored forty points or more. Texas AM has Calcos or uh coach to see higher my Aggies bring back it's a boss after run at Duke per report. So this is according to the Houston Chronicle. Who's reported at first? Texas A closing in on a deal to sign Mike Elko. 
who's the uh the byline is that john mcclain or someone else i don't know i'll have to okay. have to look that one up yeah that's that's he's john mcclain's been with them for forever and so he's very well connected down there just curious thoughts on mike elko being the next guy yeah i mean we was that not one of the first names we mentioned when we did our they fired jimbo fisher he was video. the guy I said I would hire. I said I said okay. I made a video that said why Texas A&M needs Mike Elko, and it's because they need someone who is a guy who builds culture, and yeah. he has yeah. built a culture of winning at Duke, and he will be able to do that. And plus, he knows Texas A&M. He has been a guy who has been there as the defensive coordinator. So, and he he was the defensive coordinator when they had the most successful year they had under Jimbo and won the Orange Bowl. So now, but you go look at Duke, some of his calling cards of his team, they play great defense, but they also had a athletic quarterback that can run around and do things with, um, with Riley Leonard as their, as their quarterback, a guy who's going to play on Sunday. So I think he can build it both ways. And I think that's a good hire for, for Texas A&M. Honestly, I don't think it's much different of a hire from Mark Stoops, but maybe that's just uh boosters getting their feelings hurt according to Texas and saying they wanted to be the one to make the final say, not Ross Bjork. Yeah, that, that kind of kind of feels like a you know it's different, like a Kevin Steele Auburn situation where he's got the respect of, of people down there and that kind of thing, got the ties. Maybe that's the difference between him and Mark Stoops. All those Stoops has got a much different record as a head coach because he's done it a lot longer. Is that, is that is that fair or would you push back on that some? Yeah, I think the ties uh, to you know somebody tweeted out last night that hey, when it came when it comes down to it, uh, Mark Stoops had only successfully recruited two guys out of the state of Texas his entirety of his run out of out of Kentucky. So recruiting ties and familiarity inside the state of Texas probably yeah. had a lot to do with it. And then also, I think when you're talking about Mike Elko, you know, he, like I said. You know, I think they have a lot of the same traits, uh, Stoops and Elko do, but I think these boosters and these these board of regents people they, they kind of just wanted to uh be the ones to say, No, we're gonna have our guy. We want we want to make this yeah. final say. Yeah. Did did that make sense? Yeah, no, I the steel I agree. comparison. Yeah. I just I just think that means a lot at some of these schools and A and M seems to be one of those. No, yeah. I think you gotta be their guy you know what i'm saying it's like it's like right. michigan you're supposed to be a michigan man you know what i'm saying that 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 type deal uh which who even knows what that means anymore we could spend a whole show talking about uh about that these days um but chris uh we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here uh and and you know get to our preview of the of the sec championship game tonight we'll be recording that tonight releasing that tomorrow anything that you got to tell the people as we kind of get back in the swing of things here yeah a couple of games we didn't cover uh of course tennessee blew up vanderbilt uh that was a double digit game most of the way joe milton had six touchdowns so hats off to him uh we we didn't really touch on florida state florida boy that was a a game of quarterback attrition for a while but but florida was darn near was a fly in the ointment for Florida State there. FSU got a touchdown with what two minutes left to to pull that one out of the fire. And and then Clemson, South Carolina. Um I thought this was going to be the Shane Beamer special, but you know, Maury Anderson went down. I guess he came back, but they couldn't really establish a rushing attack. 
Rattler wasn't able to do much, and and Clemson just really held them down offensively, and Clemson kind of streaking towards the finish line here too. So uh, we did we didn't yeah. get to those, but I did want I did want to touch on all those. Donovan with the super chat says Harson is an AM man. <laughs> Hire him. <laughs> so, he's he's wishing that. Don't you wish that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? That's what that's what he's that's what he's doing. At. Uh, will Vandy fire every coordinator? Is there hope? <laughs> Justin Holland says with hey, five dollars. Yeah, we, we we had a few super chatters here. Justin is one of our our chief ones. He's been a long timer here. Um I guess we're going to find out the way Vanderbilt typically does things is they let guys move on rather than fire them. Uh, so I don't know what the time on that, but I, I have a feeling there's going to be coordinator changes, both places. Uh, and, and hard would be hard to argue with that. Uh, by the way, Ken seals hit the portal today, who was their starting quarterback about half the season. That's that's out there on social media. It'd be a good uh, depth piece for somebody, a guy that can come in and play and contribute if, if somebody gets hurt. I think uh, that, that, that'd that be a good pickup for somebody. Real quick, before we get off here, we're not going to break them down because they're not SEC, but do you feel either Florida State or Texas can be upset this week in their conference championship games by Oklahoma State in the Big 12 and then Louisville in the ACC? Uh, I feel better about Florida State's chances to be upset just because of the quarterback situation. I actually had to go to their number three for a brief yeah. period last night against Florida. Uh, th- this just feels like a team that's kind of limping in to the finish line, had a great season. Here's here's the thing that I want to know, though. If, if Florida State gets unbeaten, does it get jumped by like a one-loss Oregon or a one-loss Texas? Because the, the computers all think those teams are better. I feel like the committee – very what's the word i'm looking for uh was it was it sort of foreshadowing last week when it dropped florida state to five and and just preparing people and you know then saying it had nothing to do with the quarterback situation because what are you going to say that that to me is the one that i'm watching like what do they do with an unbeaten florida state with with some teams that are going to be one loss teams that okay and what happens if alabama upsets georgia I mean, then well, you've I'm really got a mess. I'm wondering, do they move Michigan to the number? If they move Michigan to the number one spot, I think that's what they're, what they're trying to do there is they're trying to prepare that if Georgia doesn't win the Alabama game, if they lose close, then Georgia can then fall from two to five instead of falling from one to five. I think it's hard to have Georgia at one going into the week and then move them all the way down to five if they were to lose a overtime game or a field goal game yeah. or something like that to Alabama. So I think that's fascinating as well. Um, so, and Justin tells us a great job in the regular season. We appreciate it. Uh, Justin, thank you so much. We, we appreciate all of you guys and you know, it's now it's now it's conference championship time, Chris. Yeah. Uh, do, do we have predictions or do we want to save that to later predictions, uh, for the, for which one? Cause we're doing those, uh, for, we're doing our, we're recording our deal tonight for that. I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on that. But do you want to do the? Well, other I mean, games? I mean, for well, I mean, I, I guess if we, I was thinking for the playoffs, yeah. But and if we, if if we were to do that, that would partially give away what we're gonna do there tonight. So, well, I'm in I'm in good position with my preseason picks because my preseason picks were, I'm gonna I'm in position to get three out of four because I had Georgia as the one seed, I had, uh, I had Michigan as the two seed. I had 
LSU as the three seed because I thought LSU would be much better defensively than they were, and then I had Washington at the four seed. So I could get three yeah. out of the four teams in um, for my preseason prediction. So I'm going to stick with those guys for right now, uh, although I don't, I don't think Washington will beat Oregon. I had Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. Yeah, so Alabama and Georgia both aren't going to make it. Uh, only one, and 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 if right. if any, because I listen, if if Alabama does beat Georgia, there is no way that they're going to put Alabama in over over Texas. They're putting Texas in. I'm just telling you, if Texas wins, yeah. they're putting Texas in, and no SEC team will get in. And then it will be, uh, you talk about the world burning down. I mean, it will be it will be apoplectic around here in uh in god's country so to speak yes it will but that's what we that's what we love about it no doubt no doubt uh all right chris land land the plane here and then we're gonna uh we're gonna catch everybody with our previews tomorrow yeah lots of stuff coming there was tons of stuff to follow last week between football between coaching carousel between college basketball which we are following pretty heavily Uh, we're doing a lot of college basketball stuff i'm part of some of that some of it I'm not, but uh, we've got you covered with all that too. So if you like that and like our football coverage, hit that subscribe button. If you haven't, hit the like button, tell a friend. Anyway, God bless you guys. Thanks for watching. Hope you had a great weekend. This has been our game day show, albeit a day late, presented by Bet Online.